disruptors and curious minds. Welcome to another episode of Thinking on Paper. My name is Jeremy Gilbertson, builder futurist at the intersection of music, tech, and story. With me, as always, is my uh, quantum entangled friend, Mr. Mark Fielding. Mark, how are you today, sir? This version in this universe is doing great. All, all those infinite other versions of me are doing some are doing much better than me. Some are doing much worse than me. So I'm quite. Well, at least we have. At least we have all the options to try and figure out which which path works the best, right? Well, well this path is the only one um, I've got. Um, I will say that for those who have joined us, we were all ready for a deep dive into quantum computing. We bought our books, "How to Teach Quantum Physics to Your Dog." Um, Jeremy's got the cosmic code. We were all ready, and unfortunately, due to some kind of hiccup in the space-time continuum of this universe, our guest is not with us. But he actually is. But he actually is, Mark. You can't. can't I don't know if you can see him or not. But he did uh, join the right universe. So we'll bring him on very shortly. But let's talk what? about. Let, let, let's talk about our fa- – I, I have a fascination with quantum quantum mechanics. I remember years ago – I don't know how I got into the rabbit hole, but something about the aspect of this um, area of science in the, in the fact that it's almost undefinable in a way or unexplainable in a way or you almost have to give – uh, give way to let it be what it is, which which to me aligns very well. I'm not a necessarily a big regimented rule follower, I, although quantum mechanics, there's a lot of rules, there's a lot of equations, there's a lot of things that prove all of that stuff. But it, it's really interesting to me just, just in theory and that sort of thing, but how do we apply it to this new level of technology that's coming out that is quantum mechanically based, right? In, in compute and that sort of thing. So we've all been talking about AI. We've all been talking about metaverse. We've all been talking about Web3 and all of these emerging technologies. But I think this one is really one of the most compelling, A, because we really don't understand it all yet, which hopefully we'll get into today. Um, but also it, it ties into what I love about quantum mechanics. That's really interesting to me. What do you, what do you think? Where's your headset with all this? I think you've nailed much of it. I think we talk a lot about disruption and we talk a lot about what the ramifications of the emerging tech is on culture and entertainment. We talk about crypto and blockchain. We talk about Web3. We talk about AR and VR. Of all of those technologies, kind of for me, sitting behind them is this unknown entity, quantum computing, that has the potential, at least from the little that I understand of it, to completely either vaporize everything else or amplify everything else to such a degree that everything we know and think about it will have to be completely remodeled. I mean, we've all heard about as soon as quantum computing becomes a reality that cryptocurrency is no longer viable because it can break the the... The, uh, the crypto the cryptography of even Bitcoin I don't know if that's true or something that we should be fearful of or not but if yeah if everything becomes kind of the the puppet to the 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 puppet master of quantum computing I don't know if that's actually true or not but it's how I think about it 
I love it. I love it. Well, with those two perspectives, we also want to give a give a great nod to uh, our friends at Ripple with the WWRIPPLE Marketing's on demand talent platform that helps bring thinking on paper to life every week. They're great supporters of ours. And um, if you're a brand, uh, an enterprise, large company looking for some marketing superpowers to lean on, especially sometimes we've got fourth quarter budgets that you know uh, end up in a little surplus sometimes, or maybe you get a last minute project dropped on your lap. You don't have the internal expertise to pull it off. Ripple's a great place to, to lean on. Uh, I'm on the platform. Mark's on the platform as well. Should you determine that our superpowers are valid? So without further ado, Mark, why don't you introduce our guest and we'll jump into this amazing topic. <laughs> I, 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 um, okay, is he here? Sorry, I thought that we were we were guestless, but there he is. No. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, Virusham, uh, I want to get your pronunciation right. Nika, how do, is that how I pronounce it? Uh, it's Viroshan, and Nika is right. Viroshan, Nika, and yeah. co-founder of uh, Plural, token yeah. engineer, mathematician. Yeah. A background in quantum computing. Yeah. Uh, I could just read your, your educational certificates. He studied theoretical and mathematical physics before yeah. the certificate of advanced maths at Cambridge. Uh, yeah. And then a PhD in mathematics with a yeah, I did. field of graph theory and the mathematical study of networks. Yeah, exactly. Ferocian, yeah. welcome to the show. We're, we're glad you're here. Hi. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm here too. Um, I... I'm normally in South Africa, which has got a two-hour time difference from the UK, but I'm currently in Germany, and it seems that it was uh, 4.30 and not 5.30 that this was supposed to be happening. So, well, well regardless, um, regardless, we're we're glad you're here. Yeah. Let's, um, we are very glad you're here. Let's jump right in. So I, 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 look, I, I did a little bit of research on your background, but one of the things that always fascinates me, and we'll dive into quantum mechanics super deep, but I... We're all dads, right? The three of us are, we have, you have children, right? Yeah. So I, I read, I think an old blog that you had put up about how to, um, how to, you know, enable creativity in your, in your children. And this was written yeah. a few years ago. Did you, did you have a, an experiment in breaking plates? Um, we did actually. So, so that fat, that fascinated me, right. And learning how to, um, learning how to kind of um, demonstrate frustration in productive ways. You know, you referenced the Greeks do it, Italians do it, right? We get out when we yeah, get frustrated. Exactly. But um, that's a great nugget because Mark writes about being a dad a lot too. I, I, I wanted to start there as yeah. a weird curveball. Uh, tell me how that <laughs> came to life. Um, well, sometimes you have to stop, not let it out on each other and and like, Breaking a plate is quite symbolic, you know, it, it's sort of, so you can think of a plate as, you know, information all put together and the act of breaking a plate is kind of, um, it's not quite deleting the information because uh, the information is still there. In principle, you can put the plate back together, but you you distort it and you, you mix it, um, which is a really interesting way to get into quantum computing. Um, We're breaking something back into its elemental particles and, and redistributing it as new potential, right? Yeah, well, well, quantum computing is really about storing and manipulating information at the quantum level. So um, 
if I look at my, so, so if I try to measure my computer, the position of my computer with that being in front of me now, I can send lots of photons in, in, in its direction and I can watch those photons come back and obviously my eyes are a kind of sensor. So, and the position is quite constant, but if I would do this at the quantum level, then the act of trying to measure the thing will disturb the thing because the, the scale is so small. So, um, what what's really happening and what quantum computing and quantum information is is saying is that first off uh, information is physical so so every bit of information i mean the information stored in the plate which was about you know the structure and surface of the plate all held together um like all, all information happens in physical reality so uh, the, the difference is that a hard disk stores a one on um, a bit of magnetic area, whereas uh, when you're going down to the quantum level, you're trying to store something on an atom or on the orientation of an atom, so something called the spin of an atom, or you're trying to store it in the polarization of a photon. So, so th these are these are things that are really fragile. And so they break very fast uh, when you expose them to the environment. And you've got this trade-off of, here's a cool place to do computing because we can exploit quantum mechanics, and I'll get into that. But it doesn't last very long because it loses all its properties to, to the environment. So it, it's like having a very a plate that disappears quite quickly as soon as you, you look at it. Like, a, um, is it a, a plank? Plank, the time is it's when you say it's not very long it's it's an extraordinarily finite tiny fraction of time no yeah so so the the idea is that if you make make these things really cold for example then you can when things are cold it just means that they're not losing energy to the environment okay so um the coolest something is the the less it's losing information to its environment as uh, photons or as heat, which means that it's better for storing information. And we, we know this, like, okay, your computer runs better in the cold. Um, That's why data centers are cold environments and yeah, you know, that sort of thing. Or exactly. Cold environments, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, so now with quantum, with quantum computing, what we're trying to do is um, – keep something in its quantum state so we can do calculations on that state and still be able to read the outcomes of those uh, those calculations so so it's two two things that are you know pushing against each other one is you have to take this the information that's that's stored in the state or the calculation that's in the state and then pull the results of this calculation out into the environment and amplify it so that we can read those results. Um, while during the computation, you want the state to be like quite um, isolated so that you can actually do calculations on this. So, so when, when I was studying, people were slowly adding up to more qubits. So instead of having 
bits, you have these things called qubits. And the idea is that um, a qubit isn't just a one and a zero. Um, it can be what's called a linear superposition of ones and zeros. So that means that not only can I be a one or a zero, but I can also be the probability of being a one and the probability of being a zero or halfway between. So, so now in terms of computation, if I have um, one classical bit, it can only go into two states. So it can be in either one or zero. But if I have one qubit, because of this, this idea in quantum mechanics of linear superposition, um, you get all of this free space in, in the quantum mechanical uh, part of the qubit. Um, and so if you start putting qubits together, you don't just get uh, the computational power of classical bits. You're going to end up with... Uh, so each additional qubit is, is increasing the, the amount of, of computational space by a factor of two. So, so quick, quick question. Quick question there. So, if we look at, if we look yeah. at, I think you said like linear superposition. Yeah. If we have like a one and a zero, and yeah. could it be considered the gradient, the varied gradients between that one and the zero, not just one and what's in between directly at half of a zero, but like almost if you like washed all the bits that were the one and all the bits were the zero into this pool of potential. Is that like what we're thinking about? But is that the probability? Yeah, it's. So, so the thing is, so, so while, while it's um, not being measured, you can put a quantum state into something that has an equal probability of coming out a one or a zero. Okay, so that's a particular state. Um, and the, the idea would be that if I put a bunch of these probabilistic states together, then um, that allows me to do calculations on the in-between space that I wouldn't be able to access if I had them in purely classical states. So, so it's a bit, um, it's a bit of a sleight of hand that allows you to then say, okay, well, if I only have three qubits, that means that I actually have a lot more room to do an interesting calculation that I couldn't do in a purely classical sense. And what you would try to do um, is you would run the computation on these qubits and then measure the outcome afterwards to get the result. So, so, so you wouldn't. Um, but don't look at it while it's being done. Yeah, don't look <laughs> at it while it's being done. So, so you get this massive parallelism. Which you don't have in the in the classical co computing sense, and because of that, there's some algorithms that are just better on quantum. Uh, so there's some algorithms that you can build for quantum computers which you can't build for classical computers. Yeah, and so in 1994, uh, Peter Shaw, I think it was 1994. Uh, the story it was. I looked that, it up today. Yeah. The, yeah, the story is that he he was. Uh, he, he went to a party and got drunk and then wrote on this algorithm um, for factoring large numbers using, uh, f well, for factoring using quantum computers, which we can't 
which cannot be replicated classically. So, um, and this is why people are worried about cryptography getting broken and all of these other things simply because all of our, what we know about cryptography is based on this idea of um, one-way functions, which say if you if you put something through the function, it's very hard to invert it. And so, so multiplying two big numbers together um, gives me another very, very big number, and it's hard for me to find the original two numbers um, without having to, you know, do lots of searching. Um, so at some point, intelligence agencies were were offering bounties for large prime numbers uh, just to see if people would, you know, come forth with them um, to use them to crack codes. So that's yeah, that, that's that's one of the one of the things you can do. I mean, um, there are others. Well, so. a lot of our audience are crypto natives. So is that hypothetical situation of Bitcoin being is, is that possible with quantum? Will that be possible, um, or is that um, a media scare story? Look, the, the rumor is that that governments are storing data now so that they can break it later if quantum computing becomes widely available. So um, you you intercept some communications which you think is encrypted using some encryption standard, and then you would um, in turn store it until you would you would have the decryption capacity available. So. Um, like the, the algorithms that are used in in Web three and in crypto could, in principle, be broken. But by this time, we might switch to other more quantum resistant algorithms. So while people were developing quantum computing, you had uh, the same the cryptographers thinking about the same problem and trying to figure out well, what are things that are quantum resistant and how do we build those and which algorithms are quantum resistant? So there is an emerging area called lattice-based cryptography and this is in principle quantum resistant. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, there are a couple of other things that quantum computing can be done or that fall into this area of quantum computing, and then um, the the other the other thing that it, that that can't grew up with quantum computing was quantum cryptography. So um, there's this idea of sending only a single photon down a piece of fiber optic uh, cable, and um, the way that 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 photons are sent on fiber optic cables at the moment is that they're sent as packets. So if somebody steals some of the photons in your packet, you won't notice because the packet will still be delivered. And so, so there's an experiment that that you can do um, where you bend a piece of fiber optic cable and you catch the packets and you can see what uh, you can see the data that's moving through it. So you, Um, you, Mike, you bend it. So the photons actually shoot through the jacket of the cable. Yeah, so you so you bend it you bend it in a in a specific way, and then you catch these photons that are coming out, and so you can read the data, um, and 
governments have known about this for a while, but quantum cryptography uh, or quantum, um, so single photon uh, quantum cryptography would basically send one photon at a time with your data set. Uh, and if the the sort of if the the packet is the the photons inter, um, intercepted, you just don't receive it because it's only one photon at a time. So, so, so people have been doing that stuff for, I guess, twenty years now, um, and you don't. Yeah, you should never look at a field in isolation. You should look at okay, what are all the interesting things that are also coming out of this field? And things like uh, quantum key distribution also evolved with quantum computing. And quantum key distribution solves this really hard problem of how do I get two people to have the same key at different locations uh, without copying the key? So the idea here is that instead of... um, you know, writing down the key and then securely messaging it to somebody or, you know, couriering it, you would send entangled photons. And entangled photons mean the that when you when you read the photon at uh, location A, it's correlated to the photon at location B. So you you can then use this correlation to create a key on both sides. So think of like between a bank and its backup server. So you create a session key using quantum key distribution, and then you um, use that key as a way to do standard encryption instead without having this problem of moving keys. Is this uh, like this, Schroed- this Schrodinger's key? <laughs> so, so that technology already exists, um, and companies have been using that for a while. Uh, I think I don't know if that company's still around. It's called ID Quantique. It's a Swiss company. Um, so this this point this points back to a book I read a long time ago, yeah. uh, Nine Chains to the Moon, Buckminster Fuller. Really interesting book that he wrote in I guess the forties or whatever it was. Uh, but a lot of what he talked about was telepathy, the idea of telepathy, right? Between yeah. between humans, but like this sounds a whole lot like telepathy in a way, right? Like, well, that's quantum entanglement where things can be light years apart, but interacting together at the same time, dependent on each other, right? I, I mean, yeah, that's 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 beyond telepathy. That's just. <laughs> insanity <laughs> yeah well well it freaked out it freaked out albert einstein and uh a few other people that so i we're we're getting to to physics is about the study of the world and we're kind of converging between the study of the world and the study of information and so that's what came out of quantum computing for me this this idea that like okay there's information stored in the world and you have to figure out ways to measure it but you also have to figure out ways to error correct on that measurement so there's this whole area called quantum error correction which is if you're trying to do a a calculation on some qubits you can add additional qubits to um you know 
correct the errors that will be introduced by the environment into your computation. And so, so you get this whole new area called quantum error correcting codes. And then uh, in the in the sleepy little town where I studied, um, one of the students uh, who was, I think, a year after me, uh, invented the field of quantum machine learning. Um, so that I have so, not heard of yet. Yeah. So so she she invented uh, quantum machine learning. Um, in Durban on the east coast of South Africa. <laughs> uh, so she's very well known in, in quantum circles and um, you know people are inviting her to speak. And if we if we get realize if we realize quantum machine learning, you know, she will get a Nobel Prize for for inventing the field. Um, can we can we make that a little bit more tangible for our listeners? So what what does that mean um, at a quantum level? But and what does it mean for I mean, most people associate language models with like chat and and assist AI assistants doing your work for you. But what what would that mean on a larger cultural and business scale? Um, I I don't think people people have have a good grasp of what problems. So so, so it's like doing computations on data in parallel. That's the the big advantage, but. But you get these exponentially good speedups, and that's where um, you know you spend a lot of time training models. So presumably, like if you can do interesting things on on the quantum side and marry that to some classical side, um, yeah, you you get much much faster times. Um, but, is it all um, about is it all about like the compute power and, and the time it takes to compute things, or is it or is it deeper than that? Um it's about so it's about having more computational space, which is a which which is a big deal when you when you study computer science, because what you do is you, you will study like functions that can be computed in a certain amount of time. So, so when, when I'm trying to, to do a calculation and I say this calculation is linear in time, what that means is that if I, um, if I take the number of inputs and it grows by 10, the time that it takes also will grow linearly, but it'll also grow by some, some linear relationship. Whereas if if the thing is quadratic and I increase the number of inputs by ten, then the the number of computations are going to go up by a hundred. And if it's exponential, then if I increase the number of inputs by by some finite number, then I'm looking at like an increase of say two to that number in terms of computations. So so if I um, like and most of the interesting problems to solve, you know, so searching searching what is the optimal route to to travel every city in the U.S., for example, um, is, which is a va- variation of the traveling salesman problem. Uh, which so 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 this is a hard problem to solve because you've got to go through a big search space 
in order to get the correct answer. And so we have, we have really good algorithms for approximating this problem. But if we could simulate all the possible paths at once um, then and, and come out with the optimal path, then that gives us um, the way to get the one solution that is correct uh, in this case. Or and so, so, so maths is full of all of these problems, and it turns out that they're all equivalent to each other. <laughs> um, does, does it? So, as I think about this, so, so the optimum route to travel to every city in the United States, the traveling yeah. salesman problem, is it? Is it about the interdependencies between the choices as you do the computation that that quantum can handle better than than classical or? Yeah, so so think of it as like being able to to walk all the routes in parallel, so and then pick the shortest. Whereas if I'm doing, um, if I try to do this on a on a classical computer, I can only like my search spaces. I go through the search space um, one at a time, one case at a time, or so it doesn't matter how fast I am. I can't do it all in one step. I have to do them in series. Um, yeah, for example, so if we if there's three routes, if there's three cities like between where we all live, you can map out starting with my city to your city to Mark City, and then we do Mark City to my city to your city, and then the final one, right? Where in yeah. quantum we do them all at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, so this parallelism is helpful for doing. Uh, Lots of different things, including factoring big prime numbers. Um, it's, yeah. it's a good analogy to help understand actually the the impact that it could have. It's yeah. quite easy to unpack that and apply it to the supply chain or to really anything to have that impact of everything or many things being done at once. Where traditionally it's a a long, yeah. in, relatively process of this then this then this then this then this then this yeah exactly so so if you i mean we have these these kinds of problems everywhere we have optimization problems everywhere we have network problems everywhere um and mathematicians have been good at creating like good approximate algorithms but um, it would be it would be interesting to see like does quantum computing re- lead through to breakthroughs in these areas, and then the other area which could be um, quite promising is you can use a quantum computer to to simulate physics, because trying to simulate quantum mechanics on a classical computer re- results in um, the same problem because you're you're trying to simulate a very big space on something that it isn't designed for whereas you know it's a lot easier to simulate physics on a quantum computer in principle um, because it it works the same way as the quantum thing that you're trying to simulate so um, I mean that's that's interesting. Uh, yeah. it, so it creates it creates a yeah. flywheel, in fact. So that very process of being able to do that accelerates yeah. what you can do. So and then it, you're just caught in the quantum computing flywheel of progress. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Love it. Um, 
I, I don't know if you know Star Trek Discovery and in one of the seasons she's got this like time suit and every, every everything it's it's built out of some like quantum computational material that they had um, probably like calculating trajectories back and forth through time in parallel. Do, do you know the episode number? Or, well, uh, I don't I'll know have the to episode look it number. I know it's uh, Star Trek Discovery. It could be like season two or season three. I'll put it in the show notes. That's a that's a that's a great segue as we kind of get get towards the end of our our, our timeline, our yeah. linear timeline uh, in, in this in this set. So science fiction always kind of helps us think about what the future possibilities could be for something, right? Like yeah. how how could it be be applied and doing it without worrying about all of the rules, like taking some of the pieces, mashing them with a creative idea and a story, and then let it ride. They've been doing it for for hundreds of years, right? So yeah. if we look at quantum computing not not from pure math but from a you know where could we see this happening and coming to life we talked about the 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 optimization stuff but where else do you see um people won't start to see applications of this coming to life in in the future um well well, it's hard to see because quantum computers are very big at the moment, and you've got to keep them quite cold. How big? Or, depending on what you're what you're using them for. And you have to um, use gold too, right? Isn't gold part of it or something? Um, yeah. So, so there's uh, people have used gold. They've used uh, so diamond. Uh, so they try to try to trap an ion in a in a diamond. Um, and then there's all sorts of things done with uh, quantum optics. Um, how how big are we talking? Like, is CERN just one big quantum computer? Or like no, CERN's a, a particle accelerator. Yeah. No, but, I know, but is it like that size? Or the size of a room? The size of a? Um, so, so the, the they they're the size of the room with a couple of qubits. Um, and what's been what you can do is you can uh, log into into sort of quantum computing facilities remotely and run stuff on them. Um, I think there's a, a Python module called QIS kit, which, which allows you to do that. Um, but yeah, it, it's hard, it's hard to see like quantum computing has been around for, I guess, 16, 17 years. They've been working on, on building quantum machines. They've slowly got better. Um, but it would be it would be interesting to know more about the physical universe through the lens of quantum computing because that will lead to new discoveries and new technology because with every at each level that we understand the physical universe better we get emerging technologies and so now we're we're really at the edge of well okay let's let's understand this at the quantum level and and then maybe you know, we get really interesting things like, you know, can quantum computing uh, be used to control a fusion reaction in an interesting way? You know, what is the what is the sort of the thing that results from those two things being put together? Or um, can we make really can we can we do interesting simulations about how to put atoms together and then result in you know getting new materials? <laughs> Um, so, so like yeah. we're, we're, we're expanding the playground, yeah. uh, of, of creativity in a way, because we're, we're now able to explore the world and the universe 
through a lens that actually understands the smaller things, right? So example, yeah. I, I use this with Mark. I've got a, you know, a desk, a bar top over here. And if I knock on the bar top, my brain, my sensor, my input mechanism perceives that as something hard and physical when in fact, if we look at it at a quantum level, it's quite a bit different, but I can't process it. Like I, I don't have the quantum lens in myself, just like traditional computing <laughs> doesn't, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, at some some sensors will be able to detect quantum level effects, and uh, uh, there is an area called quantum biology, and apparently the navigation of birds is related to quantum effects. So um, you can build these biological sensors that do these things. Um, do you ever see? Do you ever see a mechanism? Uh, coming about that allows someone like us to put something on our head, just like a, the, the new <laughs> Apple headset or, or the Oculus that would allow us to see the world from a quantum viewpoint. Um, well, it would be great for say looking at your dishes and then seeing them as being both finished and not finished. At the Way same to bring time. it back around. Nice. Do, do, Jeremy, do you mean seeing it from a quantum level powered by quantum computing, or are you just talking about having the capacity to see what's happening at the quantum um, level? I think you need the quantum computing to make. Well, I, I don't know. Like so, so we. We probably know less about the human brain than we do about quantum computing. <laughs> so, um, what we're what you're talking about is: can we build an interface between us and the quantum world, and then use that interface to either interact with the quantum world or um, to 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 see the actual world as like in its quantum way of being, um, which is. The, the actual world is very robust. You know, if you poke it, it doesn't collapse. Whereas the quantum world's completely different. You know, it, it, things only last on very short timescales. And um, I mean, even just to, uh, I guess we could go, we could get an artist who's good at visualization and understands physics to try to visualize this for us. You know, um, and who knows? Maybe maybe we'll get a quantum metaverse. Um, well, maybe like a more practical question. Okay, the first computers were the size the size of houses and very slow and very well, pretty rubbish and naff. And now, yeah. like we're all doing this on our laptops, is quantum computing ever going to reach that stage? Is is the technology ever going to be? possible where we could have quantum computers in our living rooms um uh, look i don't know there's a company called d-wave that that built a like a quantum chip and uh, every couple of weeks like china or ibm or google somebody's setting a new record for quantum quantum chips but um depending on the the sort of this the structure that you're using so it will it could be as big as a room or you know to but but to get a chip size thing and keep it cold and do quantum calculations on it um i think is a little bit further away than we hope i mean i might be wrong and then the other part of it is we um 
but but we can have these facilities available and scientists can have them available as well um, and be able to use them remotely. Almost like how supercomputers kind of came. Yeah, in. exactly. Like, like exactly. a centralized computer where you could throw your calculations at or yeah. throw your data sets at and that that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we have to get really good at, at keeping quantum states cold and keeping them cold um, in – in a, like a localized environment like your laptop in order for us to be able to use this uh, in a mainstream way, you know, where everybody has quantum computing. And th those are hard problems to solve, and they also require a lot of energy to solve them. So, Well, and then also there's the, there's the piece of it too, just kind of thinking about this is in summary is like this this technology, this capability is, is, is emerging. Like you said, it's been around for 17 years or so, right? And it's yeah. continually getting better and, and going to, feed this flywheel of, of innovation within that. But then you think about it, it's just, it's the infrastructure piece, it's the compute piece, and you still have to overlay stuff on top of that for folks that aren't computer scientists, that aren't mathematicians, to be yeah. able to use the technology in a useful way. So like quantum applications and stuff like that and software, like that's even a, a ways off, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, I think, I mean, I think we're, we're getting closer. It's just, it's, it's not, uh, I, I think quantum computing has been around for a long time and solving these problems to, to the extent that, you know, we've solved problems on classical computing. It's going to take lots of iterations and uh, breakthroughs by many different teams. So, yeah, I, I can say I can say that I'm optimistic, but I, I moved out of quantum computing into the world of Web three. So, so. well, our Bitcoin is safe for the time being. Um, we sh I'd, can I just like ask a, just a very self indulgent question? Yeah. Um, so when I, I wrote a book called Apocalypse Daddy, and it's about kind of me and my daughter, and one of the the, the reoccurring stories in this book is kind of. Like, my daughter's relationship with Schrodinger's cat and I've kind of like made Schrodinger's cat into a little bit of a cartoon character that's, you know, annoying or not there. And yeah. but I would just wonder if you could speak on Schrodinger's cat for a few seconds, just try to explain the thought experiment that's going on there and how, <laughs> um, how relevant, if at all, it is to quantum computing, if you could tie um, it together some, somehow. Yeah, so so it is really relevant because it's talking about uh, about superposition. So so just like you can have a qubit between some state between one and zero, the, the Schrodinger's cat thought experiment is you have a cat in a box and, and somehow you have something that is quantum and it releases, I don't know, some poison or and if you don't open the box the cat is can be both alive and dead um but as soon as you open the box um you 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 change the state of the cat and because you, the act of opening the box in order to measure changes the state and so that forces the cat to be either dead or alive, which is a fixed state. But, but in um, in keeping the box closed, you can have this cat in an in-between state. Um, and it's those in-between states that help us do uh, quantum computing. 
Awesome. The power, the power of the space in between things. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. This, exactly. This, this is great. So I, I, I'm fascinated. I could talk about. I could listen to you talk about this for hours. Unfortunately, we don't. We don't have uh, all of that time. But we really appreciate you coming on to shed a yeah, little bit of light in in into this world. It's something that Mark and I are going to continue to explore yeah. as, as as part of this platform. Um, any final words for for folks out there that? aren't necessarily quantum native, uh, but have heard the terminology, like what, what could you do to spark their curiosity without blowing their mind too much? Um, I think, I think you, I think there's, there, there are lots of resources that you can tap into. And many people have, have talked about quantum mechanics and these experiments and tried to, um, uh, like bring it down into the human the language that that normal humans can understand i, I mean if if you want to have fun and learn physics i would just go to to Feynman's lectures i love yeah. Feynman yeah absolutely yeah. or or if you if you want to get an idea of like what it is like to experience the world as a physicist and uh read read surely you must be joking mr Feynman so you're always like looking at you're, you're playing with with a language which is math which gives you a window into the physical world and um it allowed in in a way like we can think of math as this complex language but it's just a way of seeing things that we don't have access to so we don't have access to like the infinite you know sequence of prime numbers or or you know uh like we don't really have access to photons, but we can describe them. And because we can describe them, um, we can understand how they behave, um, which is quite powerful. And, uh, and I think it uh, cut a long way away from like cave paintings. Um, so, so yeah, we'll see. Amazing. I, I would, I would 100% echo Shirley. You're joking, Mr. Feynman. It was actually, that might've been one of my first books that pulled me into all of this. So we'll post that in the show notes and the links. Um, Varoshan, thanks so much for, for joining us. Your, uh, your experience and expertise and and your, the way you articulated it was great. And um, I think will be very valuable for our listeners. Also want to give a, a a final shout out to our friends at ripple with a W W R I P P L E. Uh, And you can experience uh, the quantum potential of great um, solopreneurs like, Jeremy Gilbertson and Mark Fielding within their platform. If you need some <laughs> superpowers in the fourth quarter to help you out, uh, we're not the only people on it. There's over 3,000 specialists in uh, marketing and technology. Um, W-R-I-P-P-L-E dot yeah. com. That's available in, in a universe near you. So, yeah, get on it. Amazing. And Thinking on Paper, uh, you can find us www.thinkingonpaper.xyz. All of this will be on Spotify, YouTube, and all the favorite stuff. Uh, Varoshan, thanks again. This has been great. See you guys next week. See you next week.